0: Film editing room of the Blair Walsh Revenge documentary. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Eric Ronebeck, how you doing?
1: I'm good. Blair Walsh is going to get his retired his number
2: retired twice by the Seahawks.
0: All right, and uh, yeah, once for once, once is a Viking with the once Vikings the number up
2: there, and once is the Seahawks number. Exactly. Right. Kevin, how how you doing? Hey, you know, just seeing that Vikings uniform, he just wanted to miss one more field goal for us for old time's sake. Yeah. All right. So
0: uh, I'm Nathan Santo, and I am
2: here. Uh, on this great day
0: to try to turn up Kevin's microphone a little bit first. Let's do that. (laughs) Then let's talk Seahawks news. There's a lot this week. Okay. First, the Seahawks lost their incumbent left tackle, one that we uh, had a real hard time with last year but had seen great improvements in. We have lost George Fant. Kevin, let's start with you. Uh, Let's just talk first about the development of George Fant. How did you see him coming along?
2: You know, I saw George Fant developing into a solid – moving towards average NFL left tackle, which is a big improvement from last year. And having him fall, the thing to me that's terrible about this is, you know, consistency on the line is important. And this puts everything else into doubt because there isn't a clear person to take over for him with the team uh, not really willing to slide Jokel over. He was, you know, he, he has the athleticism and the footwork and his technique was coming along. He looked like he was edging towards passable. Right. And it, it seemed
0: like um, not only had he taken the job kind of out of necessity, like we didn't have a lot of other options at left tackle, but the combination of him and Jokel had made Jokel really successful at left guard to the point where the team was very confident moving into the season with those two guys together on the left side of the line. And now just everything is in chaos. Yeah. Like, outside of a
2: Fetty, we look competent.
0: Yeah, I thought that. I think Lewinsky has been kind of a revelation at right guard. Like the he's whole, he's been quite good. He the we- was
2: what I hoped he would be.
0: The weird storyline coming out of camp was that like he's naturally a right guard. And that moving to right guard is really going to help him. And I was like, yeah, he wasn't that good at left guard, though. Like, how how much better can he really be? And the answer is significantly better. He went from someone who I thought was significantly below league average to someone who I think is ma- league average or maybe even a little better. Like, Would you
2: say it's fair to say he's going to have a Brit season this year? That's about how I feel about him.
0: Uh, I think it might be a little worse than that, but but it, it's going to be a big step like up. Like a top that. 20 from a top 60? Yeah, that might be it. Like, he might be, like, the 30th best guard in the league this year, which is fine. That's fine. Every team has two guards if you're one of the... Best thirty. That means you can reasonably be the best guard on your team, and your team might not be
1: horrible. Well, it's not going to be great because he has a Fetty. Uh, yeah, sharing that space with him, and that so far has looked awful.
2: God, a Fetty just has no sense of balance. That man's on his knees or his butt more often than yeah, one he just, cares to he see. He doesn't
0: seem to have any technique at all. And the the idea is that you know. Okay, so here's what here's what the, the team seems to believe. The team seems to believe that Cable can take these athletes and he can. It doesn't matter. He'll mold them into good players. And at this point, it's just proven to not be true, as far as I'm concerned. the The Cable has not, he, in his entire career, he has never put together a. He's only one time has he put together a pass blocking team that has scored better than twentieth in pro in um, football outsiders uh, DVOA. Like this, the offensive lines have all been horrible and pass blocking under him and I don't see any reason it's going to be any different this year. It's just going to be
1: more of the same. Well, with George Fant going down, the first thing I feel bad for is George Fant. He seems I, like he's worked really hard, right? He's worked yeah. hard, but Kevin brought up a good like buried in the lead is what he said, he was making his way towards being average. And I'm going to take this in a different direction and say that this preseason George Fant has looked improved, but he hasn't looked really good. He hasn't been great. That's yeah, my no stretch is he being great. I think that's I think that's been a little optimistic i think he hasn't looked very good he looked terrible last year this year he's he hasn't looked very good so i feel like but he looks like a guy who can be in the way yeah which is more
0: than we had serviceable
1: which he was not at all last year i feel like they will plug someone in there and they will be as good it's gonna hurt george Fant. you know i feel bad for the guy Uh, i feel bad for the kid well But also, I feel like it's going to mess up, like we've talked about, the continuity on the line. Eric, that gives
0: me a good segue. You said that we might bring in guys that could be as good. And let's talk about the two guys we brought in to try to compete for this tackle job. We brought in Tyrus Thompson, uh, former Panthers offensive tackle, and Matt Tobin, who is like a utility... He's like a Swiss Army knife offensive lineman that the Eagles had. He can play all along the line. Uh, And at none of those positions does he seem to be particularly
1: good. But I'll, I'll let one of you guys talk about these guys first. Kevin had a really... Great comment about Tyrus Thompson in the right over here.
2: Uh, Tyrus Thompson, he's large.
1: Well, where'd we get him, Kevin?
2: Oh, that's right. He came from Carolina, and if you've seen Carolina's offensive tackles, remember they cut him. Yeah,
0: yeah, they they were a dumpster fire last year, and they cut this guy. So I think that should give you a good idea at tackle specifically. They're inside. Interior offensive line. He's a
2: really big guy, but he has no footwork from what I've seen.
0: let want me, want me to give you a, a, a good take here, Kevin, from watching some uh, some Tyrese Thompson. Yeah, is uh, I think they can expect to get as much out of him as they would have got out of Justin Senior. Is that that's a pretty bad indictment, right? Oh
2: man, that's that's dangerous. <laughs> and I thought I thought Thompson's college tape was better than Senior's. He didn't look like a giraffe on roller skates and pass blocking. Sure, he just looked like super plotty. Like um, imagine Britt slower. So uh, Matt mm. Matt Tobin. Matt Tobin
0: has put in some decent shifts at tackle and some decent shifts at guard. Although he did lead, he did get like eleven pressures in one game at guard one time. Like he's he's definitely uh, Eagles fans joked calling him Turnstile Tobin. Uh, there's there's lots of stuff out there like that. That being said, if oh, good. if the goal of Tobin is to bring him in and have him be a guy who can back up more than one offensive line position, I think that, that is something I can live with. He seems like a guy who can play more than one position in a pinch if something weird happens because right now some of the offensive linemen we have on our roster are not very versatile.
2: What was his name? Uh, Valos? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he'd be like the Valos of this year?
0: Yeah, which I'm totally fine with. If we keep him on the roster and we're like, hey, you're here to back up four spots. Yeah. Like, okay, Yeah, I can live with that. Everything but left tackle, yeah. No, everything but center. I think would be the the more the, the okay. That's fine. the idea. Um, what's the okay? Let's dig into it. What's the idealized version of where we end up with the offensive line?
2: Okay, uh, what is where do we need to end up now? We're not going to do the idealized version because we've already said we will not move Jokel to left tackle. Okay, which means we're going to end up with. Probably Reese Odiombo. I agree. Odiombo is going to be the left tackle. And I just have seen nothing that makes me comfortable with that. It feels like last year all over again. This is like a, a just waiting to become like a 42 pro football focused left tackle.
0: I agree, actually. And I I think like especially with what we've seen from Jordan Roos, like, like he can play left guard. He's real good, and he's a mauler, and I, I really would like to see him with the first-team offense and see what Jokel can give us that left tackle. Before the season started, they really primed us for, like, hey, Jokel, we think he could be a left tackle. They said that, and then I think Fant came in and impressed people. He, they impressed him with his the athleticism. They said, hey, this guy's really growing. We need to keep cultivating George Fant. We need to keep... Working with him,
2: well, and they keep saying how much they really like Jokel at left guard, and how great Jokel looks at left guard. And I
0: don't disagree with that, but Roos looks really good at left guard too. So and
2: no one looks good at left tackle. If, so, if Jokel no looks can, good at any tackle, on if Jokel
0: can just put in average left tackle shifts, and Roos can play left guard, I think the offensive line would be much better than you know the potential whatever we're gonna do instead with the Riso D'Iombo and then or maybe Odeabushi, or like it's gonna be a mess at left tackle, no matter or Tobin. Or, or, Lord Fetty. forbid, Tyrus Thompson. When I
1: feel like this team is amassing guards, and it's... Yeah, we have a lot of guys who could be good guards. Yeah, and yep. we, have, we have no tackles, and at some point, you've got to move someone over who can do it, and I don't know if we have that person. I was talking to Kevin, like, Posick. This is a guy who moves around to all spots on the line, but in the pros, he's going to be a center or a guard. You don't That's need correct. another guard. Right. If He can't play tackle, and he hasn't played there this season... I don't know. Like, it's- I think the
0: postage and Abushi signings were... Par- There's two things going on there. The, the drafting of postage and the signing of Abushi is that they thought that they did not expect Glowinski to be able to acclimate to right guard. I guarantee I agree that. with that. They, I guarantee they had a lower opinion of him, and he has really outplayed what their expectations are because he's outplayed my expectations a lot, and I think I was kind of in line with what they were thinking. And then the other thing is they expected Jokul to play tackle, and now he has really settled in at guard and they are very happy with his guard performance and they don't want to rock the boat. Agreed. And so it's leading to the situation where we have all these guards and there's nowhere for them to play. And we have no tackles at all, period. And so I don't know, it, it's 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 a tough call. You know, do you wanna do you want to be really good at something and and bad at other things? I mean Effetti is going to be a nightmare at right tackle. If they leave him out at right tackle all season, that is a, that is a nightmare. If with it's gonna,
2: Fant playing all right at left tackle, I feel like we could have schemed around Effetti a good bit. Like, I think we were showing that. But having, getting pressure on the end from both sides, that's brutal.
1: Do you think that they're keeping Jokel out of the tackle position because he's not 100% healthy yet? Because he is not 100% healthy.
2: Yeah,
0: it gets possible. I mean, it's possible week I mean, one. With,
1: on a team with no tackles, you would think they would move a tackle into the tackle spot.
0: It's possible at week one, Jokel, Jokel's all of a sudden the starting left tackle. I would not be surprised at all. Because it, it honestly is the it puts our talent in the best positions, Especially
2: I think. Especially if Odiambo has another rough week next week.
0: Yeah, if Odiambo's bad next week, that could be what happened. But let's talk about someone who's playing good in the preseason instead. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Cason Williams. Cason Williams is getting a lot of attention. He's put up numbers. He's been the number one pro football focus rated outside wide receiver now for a couple weeks. Uh, he's putting in shifts in the preseason, and he's making a statement. I want to be on the 53-man roster. I do not want to spend another season on the practice squad. And um, at this point, it seems like he is in the mix. He's solidly in the mix. I have two questions. One, do you think Cason Williams can keep this up? Let's start with that.
1: So, Eric, do you think Cason Williams can continue to perform at this high of a level? Okay. It's going to be hard to say... Going into the season, you know when, when everything is faster and everything is hitting harder. Having said that, the guy is constantly going up to get balls. He's making uh, Trevon Boykin look good, and he got to play at the first team last game and look good
0: in that part. Boykin too. isn't good, other than the one very, very egregious drop. It was
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also uh, that he that misplayed drop, a ball. Yeah, that drop was bad. I'll say this though because <laughs> I through his arms. I, I have to. I have to point this out. Fade to the end zone to Jermaine Curse. Couldn't happen. Didn't happen. Jermaine Curse couldn't grab it. Exact same play to our man, Casey Williams. What happens? Touchdown. I mean, the throw the guys was better.
2: i so fond of saying the seven foot high jumper. Yes. The,
1: the, thro- <laughs> the throw
0: was a lot better on the Casey Williams play. But I refuse to admit that. Get rid of Jermaine <laughs> Curse. You're out, Curse. Goodbye. All right, Kevin. Do you think that Kaysen can keep this up, or do you think, I think, do you think it's a Do you think it's a little bit of a preseason flash in the pan?
2: I think both. I mean, I don't think that this is his true level of production, but I think what he's showcasing is his strengths. You're looking at a player who, if you look at his college career, he was on projection to do really well, and then he got injured. Um, towards the end of Keith Price's run as a quarterback, and then he came back for the Siler-Miles-Jeff uh, Lindquist era, which was not a good UW era for throwing the football, plus coming off of injury. I think that depressed his numbers. His true talent played out better than probably a UDFA. This is a guy who, if he was playing with Jake Browning, or if he was playing with you know another even fringe nfl quarterback right he's probably a guy who would have been a sixth or seventh round pick his sophomore
0: year he had 878 yards and six touchdowns and it really looked like he was gonna take make the leap right he was gonna he was gonna be the next guy and then the next two years he battled injuries and bad teams let's be honest like those teams were not as good and the The quarterback talent was not as good yeah and he was hurt like he was hurt for significant portions of those seasons the senior year only got 189 receiving yards like he had a very bad senior year if he was hoping to get drafted in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and it tanked his draft stock. And so um, what you're looking at, his true talent level, I think, is higher than some of the other UDFAs. He reminds me a little bit of Doug Baldwin in that way. He's a player where circumstance kept his numbers down. And so coming in, (laughs) grinding it out, being a hard worker, working on the technical things he needs, he's a guy who has – more talent than your typical undrafted free agent. What? For that reason, I think he can make the roster.
0: One thing for me, too, is that he has great physical tools. He's six foot three. Like a lot of those guys that are UDFAs like this, like you mentioned, Baldwin, they're smaller. They have to play in the slot a lot because they're not super tall. Casey Williams is not the case. He's a, he has the physical tools. He's always had the physical tools. He just can't stay healthy, and that's that's been a problem with him in the NFL, too. Like yeah. he, he has gotten hurt throughout his time as, on the Seahawks, and that is something that they are going to have to strongly consider. The thing that I think helps him make the roster is he has made a couple—there's One there's one very memorable one, but he has made a couple great special teams plays in this preseason, and I think
1: he has a good chance to make—he is improving his chances to make the roster because of that. Um, I, I feel like— He's doing it on special teams, he's doing it on offense. He's very much a Sydney Rice player. He is he is young Sydney Rice. He gets injured a lot. He can streak downfield. He can go up and grab balls. Here's I'm I'm really
0: sure he's going to need to keep it up to make the team because I think the team wants Curse to win the job. Yeah. And they don't want to have to cut Darbo. They they spent a, a relatively high draft pick on him and I think they're going to be they're going to be uh, hesitant to just l- cut him loose like that, uh, cutting loose pick one hundred six is like not ideal. Uh, so, for me, like that's what we're gonna have to look for is like because Darbo hasn't done anything in this preseason. He's been very unimpressive. I'm no, not. I'm he not only crazy. has a
2: handful of targets too. I think he has like three targets the whole time. I've not
0: been crazy about his play so far this preseason, but I mean he's battling a sh- uh, shoulder injury or a collarbone injury, and he's really, you know. That's tough. It's tough to – got to make your mark even if you're injured, especially when a guy is playing as good as Kaysen is.
2: Yeah, and I think Kaysen's play – can we can basically write off Lawler at this point. Kaysen yeah, yeah. just played Lawler out of a job.
0: And I feel bad for Lawler because he, he hasn't played bad this preseason. No. And I, re, I think he has a good chance to catch on somewhere else. And he's I, really improved. I think he's he's played really well. He's yeah. now plays some on special teams and isn't that bad at it. Yeah. But there's – yeah, uh, I would say that uh, some team's gonna get some good value out of Kenny Lawler. And if we can sneak him out of the practice squad, I'm really excited about that because one more year development and Kenny Lawler is ready to play in the NFL. Um, the other thing is is Paul Richardson's injury could really play a factor in here and in how injured he really is. If he's injured enough to end up on the pup list, then. Yeah, maybe, maybe then it makes it easy, right? It makes it real, makes easy. it real easy. Then makes you don't it, have to make that choice. You have to make Darbo and between Case Darbo, Williams. Curse, Case, and Williams. You get to keep all of them because you got a guy on the pup list. If, if he, uh, if he's not very injured and he doesn't end up on the pup list, yeah, you got a tough choice ahead of you between Darbo, Curse. I mean. I love Jermaine Curse and he's been an important Seahawk and I still think that he is really good at those tough 50-50 ball catches but he doesn't make the the routine catches. He drops routine passes that he should often catch and it's very frustrating as a fan who who we need those the, the you know we need to move the chains we need those first downs and it. When you see a guy, you know, have one of the worst catch rates in the NFL, there's a popular article going around Seahawks Twitter this week about how Curse might be better than you think and I read the article and I still didn't think any different about Jermaine Curse. Than I did before. I was like, "Yeah, he he does do some really good stuff." And he all as much as he brings to the table, he takes just as much off it with the with the mental mistakes and the on the routine catches.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing to consider is that Jermaine Curse is a player who's reached his ceiling. Like he's the player he is. He's not going to get significant better in any way. He's getting paid at a level that meets or exceeds his productivity. So this is a. Team that is shown, and in the NFL, you have to be willing to take a stab at a player who has more upside, who you're paying less. And that's Case and Williams.
0: Yeah. Another thing about the curse, too, the article, the thesis of the article was like, hey, look at all these uncatchable balls that he that he, that he he got thrown his way. So his catch rate's not that bad. And it's like, yeah, he still had, so then he had six drops on 59 catchable balls. So he's dropping one out of every 10 passes thrown his way. Like, I'm supposed to yeah. feel
1: good about that? It's
0: still not good. Yeah. And it's like, that's a lot of drops, man. Like I I'm, mean, I like
1: what you're saying now, Nathan, but when you said that he's been an important part of this team, he's come up really clutch. I won't forget that that catch in the super bowl that I didn't even see because I thought it was out of bounds and it was gone but he's also he's dropping balls he should have he's not closing out on the on the double slant uh I mean every anyone who knows about this the, who listens to this podcast knows that I'm not a Jermaine Curse fan and I don't think we're going to let him go but I'd like to see it. All right. Blair Blair Walsh stared down Mike Zimmer after the field goal.
0: 52-yard field goal, <laughs> which was like my favorite thing ever because, you know, I love kickers and punters doing goofy yes. stuff. Yeah, that's good. So I was very excited about John. John stared stared down the goal
1: post when he missed the first field goal? <laughs> Dude,
0: that kick, man. I was just like, can't you just leg that one out? Like, that's a good kick except for it. Looked, a, it looked like he just. It
2: like, was a 53-yarder, though, which makes it a little more excusable. That's, that's a thing, long though, field he goal. Made, he made the
1: longer ones later, so it was like. He's like, oh, he I guess I got put more into <laughs> it.
2: I like, I like him. I think
0: that Blair Walsh is going to be a good kicker for us. I'm, yeah, I'm, he'll win
2: us another playoff game. That's my yeah. prediction. He's, uh,
0: he's, the, I'm, I'm into him. And then finally, uh, we re-signed our first O lineman in the in the Pete K, Pete Carroll, John Schneider era. Justin Britt, nine million a year, play center for the Seahawks. Third highest paid center in the league. Um, I think it's one of those contracts that I'm not happy about now. But three years from now, when center contracts are all inflated, I'll be yes. like, oh, that was good. <laughs> it's that's, just that's a fact. <laughs> so, so I think it's fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. It is. It just is. We're I, not going to talk running backs? I mean, I feel like running back is settled. I'm, I'm Alex like,
2: Collins had a really big game.
0: Yeah, Collins had a big game, but like... I mean, he went to fumble jail, too. We'll see what that does. But yeah, he had, about he had a it, big
2: game. I think Collins had a good, another another... Carson got to play with the first team. Carson played well with the <laughs> first team against the first team... Minnesota defense and he played great. Like I don't. And know. Eddie Lacy looks awful. Can we think, talk about that? And Rawls a, is getting no carries, if, which means one of two things. Well, I think they're just they're they're
0: Thomas Rawls right now. This is what this is Thomas Rawls is okay. So we got all these running backs. Carson's like the shiny new like Mazda Miata, right? We got him out there. He's running around. He's doing great. Collins is like our. Uh, we've had him for a couple years, but he's a real reliable Honda Civic, right? Like we okay. know what we're going to get out of him. And then I don't know Thomas Rawls Civic. right now. Thomas Rawls is the Ferrari in the garage. We take it, we look at it every once in a while, we take out a towel, we wipe it down, we say like this is great. We're not taking the cover off the Ferrari until week one, man. There's no reason to. Like, he's he doesn't need to play right now. He has nothing to prove to anyone, and he's been and everyone says he's looked great in practice, so like just I'm fine with it. Thomas Rawls, he's the Ferrari in the garage, man.
2: I feel like this makes in this scenario Eddie Lacy the mid nineties Ford Explorer no. with the tires that you're not oh, sure you. will blow out and yes. roll over. No, he's a he's a Dotson. <laughs> Kevin he's a
0: Dotson and he's he's, he's totally Dotson's were reliable he's a
1: DeWu yeah he's
0: reliable we know exactly what we're getting we're getting like 2.7 yards Trent per Richardson carry. level of, of production I would not be surprised if Eddie Lacey gets cut before the season even though he's started. making two, I, at this point I would cut him for Collins yeah,
2: even Collins, though
1: two and a half guaranteed for Eddie Lacey something like that doesn't matter Collins okay. has
0: outperformed him the
1: whole preseason it, I this we've is, shown we'll pay talent to go away for more talent Eddie yeah. Lacy looks bad he's slow out of his break there is no break and he's continually, continuously falling over to the side. Yeah,
0: and like they're like they're like, oh, it's gonna be. But he doesn't, he doesn't bust through the line. Like if we, right now, if I started the season, I'd want Carson to be my goal line back, not Eddie Lacy. in yeah. the way that they've run in the preseason. Well,
1: Kevin said it best uh, on the way over here. He talked about Eddie Lacy just hits that line with no fire. Like he cannot bust through any layer of the defense. Yeah, I, I think Eddie Lacy's
0: days are numbered in a Seahawks uniform unless something really changes in the next two weeks. It's him versus Collins for that last spot. I, I know I think Carson. Yeah, I feel like Carson won a spot. Carson won a spot. It's it's we we're going Rawls is our starting running back. Procise is playing third downs. Carson is flexing in for about six to eight carries a game to give those guys rest. And then is Collins gonna be the guy who's there to back up everyone or is Lacey? I don't know. Um at this point I favor I favor uh Lacey getting cut. I'm yeah I'm, I'm against that's where I'm at. Uh also we made one more big signing this week. We signed rated pro football focused cornerback and terrible human being, (laughs) Tremaine Brock. So, we've talked about this before. How much it bothers us when the NFL does this thing? We did our due diligence, and we we thought that turns
2: out is a piece of crap. Anyway, we
0: signed him. Yeah, that's what they should say. We should say like this. This is what bothers me about stuff like this. Is Pete Carroll comes out and he says, "You know what? We did our due diligence, and what happened was not okay. But we think that people deserve a second chance." At a career, and we're going to give Tremaine Brock a shot to make our team. I'd be like, okay, I'm on board. Like, like that's still scummy, but it's, I it's, mean, at least it, you admitted it. It's, it's it's not a tough sell. It's like, okay, I get what you're doing. You're making a football decision, and you're you're going to let him give a chance to clean his act up only because he's good at football.
1: That's fine. And if we don't sign him, someone else will. But
0: but the way that they do it is they say like, we did our research and we found nothing. No, we found no signs of any wrongdoing. It's like, dude, there's a picture. You can Google it. There's pictures out here of like some serious bruises and stuff from this Tremaine Brock incident. Yeah, you did not do your due diligence if I can Google it, okay? that This is ridiculous. This is a stupid statement. It makes me angry. Don't treat us like children, okay? We know what happened, and it makes – it it. there's already a – You're breach reducing of, your own credibility. There's a breach of trust in the NFL already, right, with all this head injury stuff and a stuff. Lot. And it, uh, there's a lot. Of, a lot of people have a hard time grappling with, like, should I even watch NFL football with how bad this is for the players and all this stuff? And now – don't treat me like a child. Just be honest. Be up front. The, the reason you're in this mess with these head injuries is because you stuck your head in the sand. Like, Don't keep sticking your head in the sand. I'm going to get off my sandbox now. Okay, but, so Tra- so
1: where does uh, Brock fit in
0: on this team? Football reasons. Trey and Brock will be our number two cornerback, and he's going to be good. Very good. He is a good football player.
2: If he ends up playing in the slot, he'll be the best nickel corner in the NFL. He won't, though. If he plays on the outside, then Shaq Griffin's going to be learning from two really <clears throat> good corners. Yeah, she,
0: she, I don't think there's any way, if Brock plays even... To 90% of what he showed last year That Shaq Griffin can beat him And that's okay Shaq Griffin's a rookie
2: the only reason why I say that he might play inside is when we move to three corners, I could see them being more comfortable with Shaq on the outside sure. based on the way our scheme works, because if you're playing on the outside, you're usually playing man. And Griffin, if you're playing on the inside, you need to know your job damn well. Just let Griffin get out there and get
0: physical on third
2: yep. downs. I'm fine and with
0: that. And run alongside people. Can like we just... talk
1: about Shaq Griffin and Jeremy Lane, though? I how they've Sha- been in the preseason? I think years. Shaq Griffin's been really good. Shaq uh, Griffin's
2: been distinctly better than Jeremy Lane. Ger-
1: Absolutely, but Shaq Griffin is having... This will get him in the regular season. He is not... Turning around to nope. go for the ball nope. and that is bad. He has not been called for it yet, but that that's a death. Eventually, sentence. he's just gonna he's gonna, he's gonna just run
0: straight into a guy with r- facing the wrong way, and he's gonna get pass interference every time for yep. that. Yeah. That that's kind of stuff that you he's gonna pick that up though. He's it was a steep learning curve for him for coming from you know University of Southern Florida, which is not like a, a powerhouse. I mean, they're good for the conference
1: they're in, but they're not like a powerhouse school or anything. What do you guys think about Jeremy Lane so far? He's
2: He's looked. Better he's, than been he's been yeah. good enough that Philly should trade for him. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I would say. I would say that like he, he's like he oh, could. Oh, he could really play
2: fun. as the second or third corner on a team with a crap defensive backfield.
0: I just don't. I'm not really into what he's doing so far. I think we have a lot of guys who are playing almost as good who are much cheaper and younger. Uh, Desir, and Elliott, better. like I think those guys are almost as good or maybe even better than Lane. And at this point. I'd be willing to trade Lane for a late draft pick, and maybe that's part of their plan. Maybe that's part of their yeah, plan. Get I mean, fifth-rounder back. You know what we should have done? We should have done Lane for
2: Tobin straight up. Uh, that's exactly
0: how I feel. Yeah, maybe we can get that fifth-rounder back for Jeremy <laughs> Lane. <laughs> be like, hey, uh, we, got, we got this cornerback. He's kind of extra. You guys want to give us a fifth-rounder for him? So, uh, all right, that's that's basically it. Uh, any Anything else you guys thought that I missed? Uh, offensive players for the Seahawks punching out footballs was kind of fun to watch in that preseason game. I thought that was funny.
2: Yeah, uh, Boykins still throws ducks.
0: Yeah, I don't like Boykins. He is very bad. He looked worse and worse. I don't know if the legal troubles are in his head or something, but he looks worse than last year.
2: Really, I thought he looked better than last year. That's how bad he looked last year. Okay, I can dig it. He I ran mean, really well last year, but he played quarterback really poorly. Yeah. He's playing quarterback better. He's just not making as many big plays. Austin Davis, he makes Austin Davis look pretty decent, which is Austin Davis, Austin looks Davis like, is like he a should be our number two. Average, like Austin Davis is absolutely the forty-fifth best quarterback in the NFL. All
0: right, you guys ready for just a couple of funny
2: NFL stories to, to try to round us out before we do our uh-huh.
0: NFC West preview, which is, I'm sure, what most people have been waiting for us to do. All through these last seven weeks, they're like, get to that NFC West preview. How are the Hawks going to do? So we'll get to that in a sec. First, there's a Chick-fil-A in in the Falcons stadium, and it's closed every Sunday. It's closed every Sunday. That's so good. I mean, there's other events, obviously, that's in the so stadium. That's so dumb, but that's like, so good. Like Atlanta United plays in the stadium, and uh, they have other like concerts and stuff. So the Chick-fil-A will be open, but just not when the
1: Falcons play. <laughs> you know they got to put like a Falcons like graphic over it so people don't wistfully look at it. <laughs> yeah, they have
0: another. They have another fried chicken place in there, like Zaxby's or something, which is really good. So uh, they'll be fine. Falcons fans will be okay, but Chick Fil A, obviously, super delicious. Uh, the uh, other thing, Anquan Bill Bolden, he just decided <laughs> he didn't. He saw what was happening in Buffalo. They're getting rid of all their players. They're trying to trade their starting quarterback and running back. And he decided, you know what, I'm just going to go do charity work instead of playing for the Buffalo Bills. I'm done.
2: He basically he finished practice, looked around, went. She <laughs> yeah, I mean, and signed his retirement papers. Yeah,
0: wise choice, Mr. Bolden. So and then my last favorite one, uh Nick Folk had his first extra point blocked for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Kicker curse. Cut Aguayo. Maybe I, it's
2: their long snapper all along. Was, this is this is like the
0: uh, everyone gets a staff infection who plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, now that now it's just all their kickers are bad. So All right, new curse. Oh, uh, also,
2: uh, Tom Savage won the starting job over Nathan's direct uh, direct objections.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that by week four, this will have changed. So I'm not. And really Trevor
2: Simeon it. ended uh, Paxton Lynch's career in Nathan's eyes. Well, I mean, I said if you can't, if
0: <laughs> Paxton Lynch, you can't beat out Trevor Simeon. You should probably just hang him up. But he'll probably just stick around for
1: like 15 years as a backup quarterback. <laughs> He's See really man. tall. He's the new Charlie Whitehurst. You're gonna get three million a year to sit on the bench. Sounds good to me.
0: Um, all right, so let's go ahead and go to our. Uh, NFC Cliff West Jesus. Preview, which means you have to wait four teams because we go in alphabetical order. Let's start <laughs> off with the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals were 7-8-1 last year. They brought in Carlos Dansby, Jarvis Jones, and Antoine Bethea to replace the stylings of Calais Campbell, Tony Jefferson, DJ Swanger, Kevin Minter, C.O. Moore, and Evan Mathis. Their over-under is set at 8-over, a hefty minus-155 vig. That means over is the favorite, boys. How do you like Dem Cardinals,
1: Eric? Okay, <clears throat> I like their additions, If they were additions for depth, had they not lost the guys they lost on defense? Who's our quarterback this year? Is it still Carson Palmer? It is. Uh, A year older Carson Palmer? A, uh, a red older joints,
2: Carson. They picked Palmer. up Blaine Cabert. Maybe he's going to oh, push pff, him. There it is. Hey,
0: well, that's better than John Skelton. Okay, let's let's, let's remember they scraped Ryan the bottom. Yes. Of the, they scraped the bottom of the QB backup barrel. Like,
2: and that means Drew Stanton can keep on celebrating on the sideline.
0: <laughs> you know, that's a that <laughs> gif is an all time
1: great. That is a really good honest. gif. I don't. Yeah, even Yeah, I feel. Us. I I feel like this Cardinal team. I don't know. So just to let everyone know. With the George Fanton injury, we did kind of you know we always are adjusting our predictions. And I, I'm not going to go into the total yet, but I can't I can't see a lot of wins for this Cardinal team. I don't like their offense uh, with their quarterback they have. I think David Johnson is amazing. Obviously, we all know that. Their offensive line is def- decent. They still have Larry Fitzgerald playing uh, wide receiver to hold that core down that is above average. This defense is going to play tough because, you know, the Honey Badger is going to play like three games this year. Uh, I just I don't see any... Any sort of continuity in this defense that makes them as fearful as they were.
0: Yeah. So here's here's the thing. I agree with your assessment of the offense. The offensive line is pretty good. They their their wide receivers are good. Carson Palmer struggled throwing downfield last year, which was a hallmark of their offense two years ago. Um, if you're going to roll JJ Nelson out there, you better be able to throw it far because that guy has one skill and it's running in a straight line. Yep. Like they. they He's good at it though. They they need to. They really Operative need to look Cooper take Cooper a hard Cooper. look at themselves. And this is like the last year for them, I think. This is the last year of their window. Um, if they the window's going to slam shut this year because Carson Palmer is just he's he's on the downturn. It's this is it. He's had a lot of injuries in his career. He's getting he's getting pretty old. He is now 38. He's going to be 37 this year, 38 next year. Like this FitzGerald's is, already said he's
2: basically going out with Palmer. Yeah.
0: FitzGerald is, that is football and ancient. Fitzgerald is incredible. He's foot. he is like I don't know how he doesn't get worse, but he just stays the same awesomeness. He's football
2: Tim Duncan.
1: Uh and that's it, great. That's great, Kevin. The defense yeah. is
0: the defense is extremely talented still. They're just thin now. They don't have the depth like they had last year. Like last year, they were like, well, you know, we have Clay's Campbell, but if he gets hurt, we've got Robert Kimjice. Like we're just gonna throw we just have all these guys. Now it's like the guys that are starting, they need to stay healthy. And that is tough when you run a guy like Tyron Matthew out there who has a long history of now that specifically that one though, they did bring in their Tyron Matthew insurance policy and Buda Baker. Like they they specifically yes. addressed like, hey, this is a guy that always gets hurt. We need to make sure we have a backup for this guy. I do think their cornerbacks are a little overrated, but their safeties are so good it makes up for it. I
2: think Buda Baker might end up being their number two corner. Yeah, that honestly. I would
0: not I would not be surprised if Buda Baker by the end of the season had replaced Justin Bethel. Yeah, um, Patrick Peterson is is he gets a lot of credit. Peppy. He's he's real up and down. You can. There are games where Patrick Peterson will just get. He'll the, people will beat the brakes off Patrick Peterson for a game, and then the next game he'll be lights out, unbeatable. So like, I really like Patrick Peterson, but he's up and down. He's all. Daniel
2: Buchanan's their best defensive player now. Uh, I disagree.
0: I think Chandler Jones is their best defensive player, but Chandler jo- Chandler Jones. It, I put a high value on obviously on pass pressures because I think pass pressures make a defense, and and Chandler Jones is going to get fifteen sacks. Like it's gonna happen. He's think, playing, I think he's gonna struggle oh. with that a little more. Oh, it, gets, uh, it depends on
2: Hassan Reddick and how much pressure Hassan Reddick. I do see fifteen give. sacks, Nathan. Fifteen sacks. We gets to play the Seahawks twice. That's four. <laughs> Boom. That's four or five. So then he only gets to get ten. He
0: only gets ten more in fifteen games. Like it's it's, it's not that. Right.
2: Apparently, if he plays against Tobin, it's eleven. Their
0: defensive their defensive <laughs> line is, is is still good enough. It, obviously, Clayce Campbell is a guy I've hyped for years. He's very good at football. Um, I think he's sneakily like one of the best 3-4 defensive ends in in the whole league. He's not it's JJ Watt and then it, it should be Clays Campbell should be talked about just as much. He's not as good as JJ Watt was, but like he should be in that echelon. Like he's a clear number 2. Uh, they still got Frosty Record, Josh Morrow, Armon DJ. Like they're going to these guys can fill space. They'll still be decent in the defensive line and Chandler Jones and Hassan Reddick, Marcus Golden are going to be able to create pressure. That the question for me is, can they all stay healthy? Like, if this team stays healthy, there's 11-win upside here. Like, this team has talent all over both sides of the ball. But they have struggled with health year after year, and I don't have any faith that this year's going to be any different. Kevin, I talked a lot right there. Bring us home about the Cardinals.
2: I already gave you my analysis of the middle of your guys. I mean, they've lost their two best defensive players, basically, they, in Campbell and Jefferson. Uh, Swearinger, I think you shouldn't underestimate the depth loss there at safety. They're going to be relying a lot on Budabaker as a rookie. They're going to be relying a lot on Bethel, who gets burned like yeah. significantly often. Um, they have a Riddick playing inside linebacker, which is something he's never done. And he's a really flexible and athletic player. Yeah, don't but coach him up. He'll be good. Like, I, don't, not- I don't know if he'll be able to succeed there this year. He might be more of a future play for them. Um, They're going to rely heavily on Buchanan cleaning things up on the back end. And that's their defense is what I'm least worried about. You know, DJ Humphreys, I'm not completely sold on him at left tackle. Uh, Their receivers, again, Fitzgerald is Mr. Reliable. And everyone else has skills. But it really depends on Carson Palmer being able to throw an accurate football. And that's just not something that you're guaranteed anymore. So, I mean, I'll be honest, Kevin. DJ Humphreys, like, yeah, I agree. Like, he may, may, won't be like a
0: true number one left tackle, but I would kill to have DJ Humphreys as left tackle yeah. for this. Well, on this right team, I mean, He's sure, set, he he put up a seventy-two Pro Football Focus rating last year. Like, I thought he was he was decent. He was, yeah, he was pretty good. He was what we were hoping Fant would be next year. And he gets to, he gets to play next to a really good left guard. That yeah. helps. Iopati's awesome, but
2: Iopati uh, also uh, got hurt
0: last year and the year before. Yeah, and losing I'm Evan wondering Mathis, as he gets older, that's a question. Losing Evan Mathis could matter. Like, yeah, I don't want to underrate that. Like, Evan Mathis was a very good football player. Because
2: Shipley's not tired. like an amazing center, or anything. He's a very average center. Do yeah. you right. not
1: see their defense kind of like? Dude, Nathan shoot. said they were thin And I said that they lacked the continuity if, if, Basically because of the injuries Dansby or,
0: If Dansby or like gets hurt and then Chandler Jones gets hurt This defense will be terrible
2: Well like, if just Chandler Jones gets hurt I think that's going to kill him Because they're going to have no pass rush then, left ch- they're, they're really relying on Chandler Jones Generating a lot of pass rush And he's really good Like I don't want He under, is a lot of pass rush I don't want to underestimate
0: like, That also means more snaps for him And we'll his, see if that wears him down He earned every dollar of that huge contract All right. Oh yeah uh, You know what I don't have faith The Cardinals will stay healthy So I have him at 8 and 8 Eric what do you got him? Where do you got him
1: before the uh, the readjustment, I had them at six and ten. I'm going to
2: bring them up to seven and nine. Yep. You know, I have every single team in the NFC West improving over their record last year. In some cases, that's a backhanded compliment, like with Arizona being eight and eight. Yeah, I, there's like I will instead I will of seven eight and one. I mean that's improvement.
0: If this team goes ten and six and makes the playoffs,
2: I will not be surprised. There
0: is enough talent here, it's and they be big.
2: eleven and five in the. AFC. Yeah. Oh my East. gosh! If
0: this team was in the AFC, they would be the number three seed. Like there, there is a clear like. There's two really good teams in the AFC, and then there's a bunch of teams that I'm like, ah, this is good, but I don't know. Like if Donald Penn doesn't come back for the Raiders, they're not making the playoffs. I'm not, I'm dead serious. Like that team. That is could not, be rough. That team is not making the playoffs if they can't get Donald Penn into camp. Like they need that guy. So yeah, I don't know. Like we'll see what happens, but I. Like I said, the Cardinals have talent. It's just the NFC is tough this year. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC. Uh, the Rams, speaking of good teams, in the NFC, just kidding. The Rams, the Rams went four and 12 last year. They're over and under set at five and a half minus half minus one twenty. Uh, they brought in Andrew Whitworth, the true gem, according to pro football focus of the off season, nickel, Roby Coleman, and John Sullivan. They lost Kenny Britt and TJ McDonald. They also brought in some other dudes via trade, like Sammy Watkins. Yep.
2: Kevin, start us off. How about them Rams? Oh man. How about them Rams? Um, Let's start with the Rams' offense. Uh, they picked up Andrew Whitworth, which was an amazing signing for them. And I think John Sullivan uh, you know, bringing in like an, a solid league average center, I think, is not wait, a bad thing for wait, them. Wait,
0: are you, are you saying that going from Greg Robinson to Andrew Whitworth is going to help this offensive line? It just may. <laughs> okay. It just wanted just to confirm. Just wanted to confirm. May.
2: <laughs> um, so, you know, the offensive line got better, which I think is going to help Jared Goff, who... Jared Goff, I think, could end up looking like, you know, a player that might become a league average quarterback in a couple years. Jeez. So high praise. That's a that's a pretty big improvement. You guys are so
1: divided on Jared Goff. And neither <laughs> neither one of you like him very much.
2: <laughs> There's a big gulf between a one out of ten and a here three it, out of ten. Here's what here's what
0: I'll give Jared Goff. It's it is known on this podcast that I hate Carson Wentz. Here's what I'll give Jared Goff over Carson Wentz. You ready? Carson Wentz is going to turn 26 during this season. And Jared Goff is 22. So, But why is he starting? I just... Oh, my God. Okay, Because th- Jeff Fisher.
2: Yeah, but
0: they, they, they didn't leave Sean McVay with very many options
2: here. No, they did not. They needed a coach as young as their quarterback. Okay. Um, Kevin, it's going to take 10 years to rebuild. Can you explain why this team is <laughs>
0: switching to a 3-4?
2: Uh, they're switching to a 3-4 because Wade Phillips hates everyone, including you. Um, Connor best, Barwin's interesting. Robert Quinn's interesting but they're both defensive ends and they're both playing outside linebackers. So this is weird. Um, Their corners are bad. Uh, Tremaine Johnson's fine, but in this context, they're bad. They really must be hoping John Johnson can step up and play safety. Because I don't want Mo Alexander back there with Lamarcus Joyner. This, like this that, is a
0: weird, bad this, this defense is without about Aaron the, Donald. The secondary is like the secondary is going to be bad. And if Aaron Donald doesn't report to camp, and their front three is is Michael Brockers, Ethan Westbrook's, and question mark, question mark, question mark. Like who Tan-Zell knows who that third guy will, smart. will be <laughs> Smart? Will be Louis Trinka Passat? Like who cares who it is? It's going to be bad. Like they need Aaron Donald to report to camp to play a defensive tackle. If he does not, this team will be very. This will be a troubling team to watch on defense because you will be able to throw on these Rams. And I'm going to put out another
2: hot take that Nathan's going to hate, and that is I think that their top three wide receiver configuration will not include Tavon Austin in the wide receiver spot. I think Tavon Austin is going to be like their third down running back and he's going (laughs) to run basically some funky plays. (laughs) Gone too Uh, far. Cooper Cup is uh, a a better slot receiver, I think, for them. And Sammy Watkins, like, Tavon Austin is basically going to fill in for hurt Sammy Watkins and play third down running back and, like, flex offensive weapon. He's officially Percy Harvin himself. The
0: the thing about Tavon Austin is, is like, the things that he does best are, like, really obvious. So as soon as he's on the field, you know what's happening. It's like, hey, this guy's really good at bubble screens. He comes on the field. Hey, they're throwing a bubble screen now. Yeah. The whole new thing in the NFL is you need to be able to trick people with your personnel, right? At least
2: theoretically with Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins, they have two other
0: pass catchers. Like you can't put a guy on the field who can only do two things. Like it just doesn't – that's not how that modern NFL works anymore. Catch bubble
2: screens and chew bubble gum. And he's all out of Bubba gum. He's all it's why a guy like screen. Jake Dede
0: McKissick excites me, even though he's not really that talented. It's because like <laughs> McKissick, McKissick though, when he's on the field, the defense doesn't know where he's going to end up like that. He can end up in the backfield. He can end up at slot receiver. It's what makes
2: Tyreek Hill a nightmare.
0: Tyreek Hill is a literal nightmare. Uh, so yeah, um, I agree, Kevin, with most of your points. I think the wide receivers are improved, but Jared Goff sucks. So it won't matter. Uh, and the defense, if Aaron Donald doesn't report for camp, this defense will be among the worst in the league. Uh, it's, it's just There's guys that are talented on this defense, Ogletree, Quinn, Barwin, but this team is going to need to consistently create a ton of pressure to protect the and secondary. if anyone
2: can do it, Wade Phillips can. And Aaron,
0: Don, Aaron Donald is an otherworldly defensive line talent. Uh, he has not reported for camp yet, and uh, that's a problem for them.
1: Yep. Uh, Aaron Donald said that he would be willing to sit out the season. A lot of people say that and come in like the first or second week to play. and look at Cam Chancellor a couple of years ago. I feel like this team will rely on Barwin and Donald to do everything, uh, even for the offense, because that offense is not going to do much with golf. Is there who's their running back still? Todd Gurley. Yeah, Todd Gurley. He's so good. No, he's not.
2: And I feel like yeah,
1: he was so bad last yeah, year. Yeah, it's and I don't. I'm not going to give it. Well, it's a sophomore. Their slump.
2: line is better and running over that left side with Whitworth, Saffold, and Sullivan. There's a chance you'll get more, but you have to have some semblance of a passing game.
1: Exactly, and I don't know if Sammy Watkins or the addition of Sammy Watkins, who as of right now is he healthy? Yeah, as of this exact moment, yes, as he of is the recording of this podcast, can,
0: fieldable. I can't tell you that he's fully healthy, but I can tell you that he they would he would start if they had a
1: uh, game. to... I mean, game. I I have nothing against Sammy Watkins. I would love to see that guy play a full healthy season. Yeah, Seventeen yards per catch
0: two years ago, like the guy yeah. was incredible.
1: Uh, he's I just don't know. Like, I don't know what to expect from Goff. I feel like they're still going to stack the box against Gurley. Also, let's let's go with the big news we didn't talk about: their helmet change. And you knew I was going to go with this. The <laughs> Rams bad. are transitioning so to basically Colts colors, blue and white, like the old classic Rams. The only thing is, the NFL has this rule where you can't change a jersey color. You need like a two-year yeah, lead you, time to change your jerseys, right. and you can change your helmets anytime you want. So. The L.A. Rams will be fielding their gold and blue uniforms and pants and white and blue helmets. And if you think it looks okay, you're wrong.
2: Uh, You know, it's like uh, if somebody had some butter and they uh, put plastic wrap around the bottom part but, like, left the top part out exposed to the air, it would look like a Rams player. That works.
0: All right, well, let's go to records. I really struggled (laughs) with giving this Rams team... Uh, five or six wins—that's that should tell you enough right there. I, I put him at five and eleven now. I, I'm fine. I'm
1: locking in at five and eleven. I feel like Aaron Aaron Donald's going to report, and I have them skyrocketing to the top of the middle of the NFC West at six and ten.
2: You know, I said every team improves. I think Aaron Donald gets here, and they improve from four and twelve all the way up to five and eleven. Yeah, this is a tough team to read. Like they. They could be... No, no they're an they easy team to no, they're, read. They're, just they're, ask every defense Also, in the hey, look
0: at your schedule. Jeragoff sucks. I lied. Their All schedule
1: right. is... is- much easier. Let's go
0: to a team who has two quarterbacks. I would start over Jared Goff. The San Francisco 49ers.
1: Oh God!
2: <laughs> no, they don't. You would not start Matt Barkley over over Jared Goff. Don't, don't test me.
0: Uh, they brought the, <laughs> That's the 40- a choice. No one wants to <laughs> make. The, the 49ers went through a uh, like a Seattle Seahawks culture change overhaul, like we did in our first year. So they signed. They both signed and got rid of like a hundred guys. I'm just going to give you the highlights. They brought in Kyle Juszczyk, Pierre Garcon, Brian Hoyer, Elvis Dumerville, Shane Skov, and Matt Barkley. They lost Gerald Hodges. Tremaine Brock, Andrew Tiller, and Antoine Bethea as just an example of guys that they brought in and lost because this team, they really overhauled the roster. They are trying to make a culture change in 40, in San Francisco. The 49ers went 2-14. and 14. Their over under set at 4.5, the over a big favorite at minus 160. Let's start it off with me because I'll let you guys start the other two. I think this roster is better than you think. Uh, Brian Hoyer is actually surprisingly decent, but just cannot stay on the field. He plays three awesome games and then is out for the rest of the season. So those three awesome games can get them to like two wins, and then the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the year they just got to get a couple more to improve. Um, I think Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner are both like physical marvels, and I really get excited to watch them play. Um, Ruben Foster should do, should do pretty well for them. Coming in and kind of like start to solidify a defense who has, let's be honest, lost a lot of guys over the last couple of years. Uh, their cornerbacks are awful. Teams are going to throw all over San Francisco. Um, but I kind of like them to be like a team that is frisky. Like they're not going to be good. I'm not I'm not really ready to go there. But they will be frisky in a lot of games. Shanahan's a good offensive coordinator. He had the hubris to not even name an offensive coordinator. He, so is, funny. he is the offensive coordinator and head coach. Um, and I just think that I think
1: they'll be decent. Uh, Eric, what do you think about the 49 I think exactly what you said about teams throwing on them is going to happen. This team is going to be better than last year. It's really easy to improve on two wins. I thought like the the signing the uh, the bringing in of John Lynch, ex Tampa Bay safety as their general manager. I thought that was really out of the box. Like some people say, like oh, we're bringing in baseball executives to run this football team. That's out of the box. But John Lynch, what was he doing? He was doing color analysis. He's for watching. TV games. He's watching he's just watching players, man. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I, that's his job. And he took it you could tell the guys who take it seriously. Lynch seemed like a guy who took yeah, it seriously, and it's, right? I yes. kinda made the jokes when they signed him, like, or they brought him in, like, I don't know, this is kind of a dumb move. But yeah, he seems like ugh, this is gonna sound really insulting. Like he wants to know what he's doing. And I just say that because I don't know how this team is going to play. So I don't know if he knows what he's doing yet. He looks competent. I like that he's turned over a lot on this roster. I don't like their quarterback. I don't like their running back. Really, I don't. Their running game, I should say. I love Carlos Hyde though. Carlos Hyde's cool. He but deserves better. <laughs> I don't. He hasn't. He cannot really, stay healthy though. Yeah, and he isn't. He cannot carry this team where they need to go. Uh, the defense is bad, and uh, you know I do like Brian Hoyer quite a bit for all five games he's going to play. I feel like they will get some sacks. They're going to improve a little, but it's still the Niners.
0: Can. Can I say one thing, too? Uh, it's a, you, you made me think of it, John Lynch story. So John Lynch loved Solomon Thomas throughout the draft process. He knew him because of the Stanford connection, right? His right. son went to Stanford. He knows Solomon Thomas. He's watched a lot of Solomon Thomas football because, you know, they always showed him in the crowd. He was at every Stanford game, right? So he knows Solomon Thomas, okay? The Bears traded up in front of them, and John Lynch fa- uh, now famously was like, dang it. They're going to go get Solomon Thomas, and we're not going to to get Solomon Thomas. And then they drafted Trubisky, and he was like, oh, my gosh we still get Solomon Thomas like he was like so pumped about it and i think that's really telling like they really thought a lot of Solomon Thomas they were re- they're really excited about him and i agree like Solomon Thomas is a, is one hell of a talent and three years from now i would not be surprised if he's like a 15 16 sack guy uh, maybe not this year like <laughs> this year's a little aggressive i think he'll be at like 8 or 9 sacks he'll be good but not great uh, but he has guys he has good guys to play next to like like i said Buckner and Armstead are like physical marvels so it's not like he's going to have trouble finding space to work on that offensive line or defensive line Kevin,
2: what are your what are 49ers thoughts? You know, I think those that front four you just talked about is like the key to the team. Uh, Armstead and Buckner are physical freaks. Solomon Thomas, I think, is like a high motor guy. And he, I think he's a more polished player than either the other two were coming out. The yeah. other one they picked up in this draft that I don't want you to overlook, DJ Jones. Defensive tackle out of Ole Miss. He's a guy who can generate some interior pressure. He could be really interesting seeing is, him get some snaps. Is on there a reason downs. he fell so far in the draft, Kevin? Because I said uh, defensive was tackles around. are undervalued right now. Interior players, especially like he's a wide body. His measurables were kind of up and down in different areas, um, but he's one of those players I think just has a spot when he gets on the field. That makes him more valuable than he seems in the draft. Yeah, and and also like if he has like one bad manager
0: ball, I looked it up. He has short arms. So like and that can like kill a guy for no reason, even if he like had good production
2: in college. Uh, also, Reuben Foster fell to them and really yeah, that's shouldn't have. so
0: good. Reuben Foster is awesome. And I they agree.
2: needed a, an injection of young talent on the linebacking core. Their front seven is highly respectable. I think Tank Carradine loses the job to Solomon Thomas for sure. Which, I mean, Tank is actually pretty good. Right. So that, like, that's and Elvis, a, and a really Carradine. old Elvis Doomerville is still like a functioning player. Well, sure.
0: Like, bring in Elvis Doomerville and what's he going to do? Like, put him in on third down and give him one job. Exactly what they did last year for Dwight Freeney, right, with Atlanta. Right. They're, like, they're like, hey, we're going to play you only on third downs, and we just want you to do your thing, man. Do your speed moves, do your spin moves, get out there.
2: That's exactly what they're going to do with Doomerville, and it's probably going to work. Yeah, and if Jimmy Ward can get healthy, their safeties are fine. It's their corners are their big weak spot. Look for Akilah Weatherspoon to probably win a job just because they need to give him some time. And then... Yeah, it's not good, though. Like that- see if Will Redman can push Richard Robinson, but their corners, like you said, are going to get uh, just killed all year keller witherspoon
0: is the kind of guy i was really excited about him throughout the draft process but i was like he's a guy that could be good on the seahawks because he needs a little bit of seasoning yep well he's gonna if he gets pushed straight into a starting job that's gonna cause problems for san francisco
2: yeah and then otherwise their offense uh like brian hoyer can get him to a few games carlos hyde can get him to a few games um joseph williams uh he's the guy out of utah you might remember the story he retired from football and then came back like, he lost his passion for it and in August oh, yeah, and but he came but back and like played super, the rest of the year. He's like not crazy old, though, right? He's like, not super old. He only took a couple months off, um, had some stuff going on, kind of got his head back on right, and put together a really good season. Um, he was Devontae Booker's backup. Um, he could be an interesting player if he's picking up the carries behind Tim Hightower, who's like the consummate third down running back.
0: Yeah, I always like Capri Bibbs, too. Like, they picked him up from Denver, and I always thought, like, Capri Bibbs is a pretty decent, like, uh, little scat back kind of guy.
2: I think it's better talent than they were working out with the position last year, for sure. And so, for that reason, they have pieces on offense. They kind of remind me, um, before Cleveland tore their whole team down to rebuild, they're a lot like Cleveland's offense was in, like, 2013 or so. Pierre, you know?
0: Pierre Garçon's good, but they don't have any other good wide receivers. Like, Which, hey, they had Brian Hoyer, I'm not then. crazy about Marquise Goodwin or Jeremy Curley. Like, some people really like these guys. I'm not, I'm not nuts about Garcon's it. Garçon's
2: a two. Curley and Goodwin are both threes. Alder Alder Robinson's, Robinson's is a three or four. Yeah, he's a three also. So like they have a two and a bunch of threes. I mean, and then uh, I think Vance McDonald's an above-average pass-catching tight end. If Garrett I, Selleck can play, and Logan Paulson's interesting. If I
0: if I'm being really real, I would be kind of into this offense and this whole team as a whole as like a potential like, hey, this team could sneak into seven wins if they still had Colin Kaepernick. Like the the Hoyer Barkley thing is a problem. Like that that's.
1: That just, is no quarterback. because you know Hoyer will
2: not play the Hoyer's, whole year. Hoyer just can't play a whole year. The better he game. does, the fewer games he'll end up playing. <laughs> exactly, this
0: <laughs> is true, Kevin. Yeah, his flame burns bright when he plays. Like he had like an eighty-one Pro Football Focus rating in the three games he played last year. Like he was awesome
2: for the one year he was healthy for like a good chunk of it with uh, what was it the Texans? Yeah, he had his good. worst game ever in the playoffs and blew it for him. Yeah, so I mean, it's just he, he seems bad to luck. rally
1: the crowd with how good he can be. I'll say this about the Niners: this is the beginning of the end of their being terrible. Terribleness. Yeah. yeah. Like this is, you, you can still see be their the first back. step. Yeah. Into relevancy. And that's, that's kind of sad. You know, I knew, I knew the day would come and, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see it go. All right, Eric, start us off with your record for the 49ers. Man, they're going to be better than last year. They're going to be four
2: and 12. Yeah. That'll be much better than last year. I got them at three and 13. <laughs> You know, I have every team improving, and the 2-14 49ers are going all the way up to 3-13. and 13.
0: They have a weirdly hard schedule. Like, I don't... They do. I don't understand Bad this. Bad luck. Like, okay, they play the AFC South, which is, like, top to bottom, like, surprisingly, like mediocre. Decent, yeah. Me they're all meet they, all the teams are medium. And the Jaguars defense is
2: a really bad matchup for their offense. Yeah,
0: and then they and then they have to play like the NFC East, which is like not good cuz the NFC East is going to be all pretty average. Like the thing is when you're a team that's below average trending towards average, when you have to play a bunch of average teams, you're going to pick up a bunch of losses. Like it's yep. just, it's just too bad. If they had a really easy schedule, like if they had to play like the Bears a couple times, yeah. you know, The
1: Niners so. are like that <laughs> NBA team that has all the lottery balls. And they still get the 10th pick. If we are playing the AFC East this year, I'd like them for six wins just
0: because they get the freebies against the Bills and the Jets. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, da- I'm out on the Bills now, man. They're, they're trying to tear it down. They want to be the Jets. Uh, yep. <laughs> Seattle, the Seahawks, the team this podcast is about. We made you wait through 31 teams. Here it is. Last year, Seattle went 10-5-1. Their over-under is set at 10.5. Even money on the over and the under. They brought in Bradley McDuel, Tremaine Bach, Fat Eddie Lacey, and Luke Jokel. They lost Brock. Brock Coyle. Tony McDaniel, Devin Hester, and Steve Hauschka. Kevin, lead us off.
2: What are your feelings about the Seahawks roster as it stands? The team has a lot more depth than they've had the last couple of years. I think that's something that we can universally say, especially on defense, and where defensive depth shows up in wonderful ways is on special teams. This 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 is a team where our the team's special teams have gotten better. And there's another one of those weird tweaks. And you're, this is going to be a weird review just because this is a team that was already kind of in that elite level of talent.
0: And then we've already been talking
2: about them a lot. We've already been talking last, about like, them a lot. last, ten weeks. Um, I, you're looking at, like, the defensive tackle depth has gotten much better. The special teams depth has gotten much better. The wide receiver core is more interesting.
0: The running backs. The I'm running really backs. into our running backs.
2: Yeah, I, we're going to end up cutting Eddie Lacy and still be better at running back than we
0: were last year. I hope so. The cornerbacks are looking real good, man. Like this quarterback core is crazy. Mike Tyson has no chance to make the team. No, zero percent. Like it's just like things like that. Like Tedrick Thompson's on the bubble.
2: Yeah, Tedrick Thompson. I don't think he's gonna make the team. He got that interception, which was good, but then uh, he gave up the touchdown to Bucky Hodges. I just
0: have a hard time believing we'll keep five safeties. Like it just, I don't know. It depends on how we
2: classify people at some point, which is so weird. But I
0: haven't seen Thompson play a lot of corner this preseason.
2: No, but I've seen Delano Hill play uh, like nickel. Delano Delano Hill Hill has wrapped up his spot. he's He's a corner, and he's
0: or I don't know man. Delano Hill's playing this year. Delano Hill made the team. Delano Hill he's made great. the team
2: along with Brad McDougal. Yeah, I mean, those that, those oh, are our two backup uh safeties and I feel real good about that. McDougald's so good. Uh, and I think Pierre Desir may have cinched up his spot, you know, uh cuz DeAndre Elliott struggled with tackling.
0: Yeah, he's he takes bad angles on his tackles. It's real it's real weird, but he's but he's good at coverage. Like he's He's got the talent. He he might he's going to end up on the practice squad, I think.
2: And then Nico Thorpe's played way better on special teams than anybody else in our uh secondary. So I think Nico Thorpe, Thorpe on Thorpe, special teams alone is our huge guy. Deadlock.
0: Thorpe's a deadlock. He made the team. Yeah. I think him and Griffin, Desir probably made the team. We don't need to go deep on this cuz next week we're going to next week we're going to do our whole like who makes the roster breakdown and Kevin, and our full NFL preview Kevin
2: like playoffs
0: what what do you think about the team's record? Though? Like, do you think that, that this team can get to number 1's a number 1 overall seed? Do you think that we can get to 13, 14 wins or do you think there are things that are going to hold us back?
2: I think it depends purely on the offensive line. I mean, injuries are always a factor, but I, I don't I'm not even going to list that just because of the way injuries work. Um so uh, barring injury issues, I think it I think it rests squarely on the offensive line. Um, If we're running Reese Odiombo out there and he doesn't show something that he has not shown as a Seahawk, then I don't think the team can improve that much. I think... I'll just go ahead and throw my record out there, uh, with Rizottiombo with the offensive line looking the way it is, um, with Jermaine Effetti struggling. I have eleven and five, and that's backing off of thirteen and three, which was what I had before.
0: Yeah, before before Fant got her item at thirteen and three too, and I was like starting to like build the, build the excitement, and now like it just I don't know. I'm so scared now. Like I'm in, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I want to shave some wins just because like. It just seems too aggressive to put them at, as a clear thirteen and three team. Yeah, Adam, being, Adam
2: thirteen and three, and they were our num- and they were the number one seed in the NFC. And now I'm at eleven and five, number three seed. I that being said, there is so
0: much talent on this football team. Like I talk about how Arizona has a lot of talent. This de- the defensive talent on this team is pretty nuts. And like like Clark, Averill, and Bennett, like all those guys would be the best defensive end on. all any number of NFL teams and they're all on the same team and they Bennett can kick inside on third down plays and like, just and make man, it man. That's Jones. The secondary is just insane. Like I, I love Sherman, Cameron, Cam, and Earl have really shown up and like, they're ready to go. You know, Bobby and KJ, they played great last year. They really showed that like KJ showed that he's not a blue chipper, but he's a red chipper. He deserves credit. Like I, I didn't give him enough credit and I'm willing to eat crow on this one. Like sometimes there are quarterback, there are, Positions I'm good at evaluating. I would say I'm. Pre- I feel pretty confident in my ability to evaluate quarterbacks. And maybe linebacker. I need to be. I need to start looking at it a different way, right? Because because I thought we overpaid, right? And he has earned every penny of that money. Like he has been so great. Uh, the offensive line's a mess. Jimmy Graham, someone I want to talk about really quick though, because I feel like we haven't been talking about it enough. I think Jimmy Graham's going to get ten touchdowns this year. Jimmy Graham is someone I think has really grown into our offense he looked really good at for big stretches last year. And I'm really confident that Jimmy Graham is going to break out a little bit this year. Uh, I feel really like this could be a special season for Jimmy uh, in Seattle. And and so that part of that makes me want to push him up a little bit because him being truly great again is a, could push us over the top.
2: He's looked really good and I think Nick Vanette has looked very be, yeah. good in the preseason yeah, as well. I think Vinette's I feel a very comfortable with him as our number 2 tight end. I think Vanette's passed up uh those guys cuz he can block, you know. He's yeah, going to play a he's lot. He's a better blocker than Luke Wilson. I think he's an equal pass catcher if not better.
0: And I think he's he's clearly the number 2 at this point and I think he'll be in there on a lot of plays just as like, hey, this is a blocking threat that can throw some, you know. It's not
2: yeah. I've heard a
0: lot about Matt Tobin, too. The guy we just picked up is that he can play like sixth tackle tight end and, and actually catch passes, which is an interesting uh, addition. Maybe That's might, an interesting goal line We team. might bring back the jumbo set where we have the, the extra offensive lineman on the field. That'd be weird. Eric? How do we, you feel about
1: the Seahawks? You guys have covered it all. I just want to say that, like you both brought up, I really want to talk about the tight end position. Jimmy Graham has made his place in this offense. Nick Vanette, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people. I'm not worried about Luke Wilson, Masonry Hands, um, I feel like he will be in there. Uh, he will be sneaky, decent, which is maybe above what he's usually been.
2: Just don't throw more than two passes. Yeah.
1: Okay, so here's the thing with the Seahawks. Kevin, you said it all revolves around the offensive line, and that is obviously what everyone is going to say about this team, and that's true, and that goes also into this. This team needs to rise above or rise to the level they should be playing at. Daryl Bevel's play calling. You can blame it on the offensive line. You can blame it on Daryl Bevel. Whatever it is, it needs to be consistently good. Not decent. Not great. It needs to be consistently good. And this team has too much talent to have the records that it's had, to have the playoff exits that it's had. We won a playoff game two years ago in some Minnesota Vikings in harsh weather that we probably should have lost. But thanks to our brand new kicker, Blair Walsh, we won that game. <laughs> and let's face it, we underperformed in that game. The year we yeah. went to the Super Bowl against the, the uh, New England Patriots, we underperformed against the Green Bay Packers. We did not come out hot, and Green Bay can say, "Well, we didn't come out hot either." Well, you know what? You came here, and we had a great defense, and that we had, shut you down. And we needed a lot of lucky plays to come yes. back in that game. Yeah. We, it was a miracle. I loved it. it was yeah, like, we it's, won on that, and it was—it's—it's it's a great classic game. But this team is better than that. Look at the the season where we beat the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. That that season wasn't perfect, but if you look at how we play consistently—that's what we need, and that's what we can do. We have way too much talent on this team. We are the, arguably, the most talented team in the NFL. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. That's a fact. One thing
0: you one thing you said that is something that's really been uh, sticking in my craw lately is a lot of Seahawks fans still down on Bevel, uh, and I I would just say this: if if it was up to me, I would love to see one year of Daryl Bevel just without Tom Cable. Before, before I'm willing to say that Daryl, Be- it's yeah. all Daryl Bevel's fault because I, I just think that the offensive line just constrains what we can do sometimes, and it's just it puts us in weird positions where we have to like play suboptimally, like we have to play it differently than we would want to play, and that's and, fair. And I, I would love to see Bevel minus <laughs> minus Cable because I think the Cable thing it bugs me. It bugs me how much credit he gets for building an offensive line that has not come together
1: for year after year after year after year. We also need to look at who we keep very intelligently i don't know if keeping jermaine curse or letting him go i don't know what the best decision is there but we've talked about eddie lacy not looking very good i don't know if this team is like well he'll be fine i feel like if we do not have eddie lacy i don't think that's going to hinder us in any way and i think letting go of players that we're afraid to lose kind of like luke wilson eddie lacy these are moves i think this team can make and will be better for it
2: uh, I just have one more kind of oddity point, and it's something that you have maybe have heard in the media a couple of times, but um, we moved Clint Hurt to defensive line coach. Clint Hurt uh, was the D-line coach for some of those really good Bears defensive lines. This is a guy who knows how to create some pressure on the line, and we've talked about it so far in the preseason. This is a team that's getting pressure with their down four, um, and I think that could be another piece that pushes this team forward. I think this is a guy who kind of knows how to scheme and angle and get the most out of his line and this is a really talented line.
0: Hey, like like there's like three guys on this team like that will definitely that one only one of them will probably make the roster and and two of them will land on rosters when they get cut. Like David yeah. ba- David Bates, Quentin Jefferson, Garris, or, and Cassius Marsh. Only one of those guys is probably going to make the team and all three of those guys will be on NFL opening day rosters. There's no freaking way that they won't. Like they're all they're all really good. <laughs> yeah. Like I I think like, right now, I would probably... I don't know. Who would you keep with those three, Kevin? Uh, I, it's hard to say. Like, I think Bass... Is it
2: Bass or Bass? I, but anyway, I think that guy's yeah, played bass. really good. I think that like Bass... David Bassman played really good. I think he's played really <laughs> well, but I think his spot is... His he skill has, set's a little more redundant. If I were keeping any of them, I want to say Jefferson because of his skill set, but what has he done this preseason? Yeah, as I was gonna say, Jefferson's had the worst preseason, but has the best track record. Marsh... Marsh
0: is like the beloved... Marsh is so up and down. Beloved son. You know? There was
2: a play, Nathan and I were watching uh, against the Vikings, where he crashed so hard on the play action, and you're he just killed the running. He killed the running back that yeah, didn't he, get the ball. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> made a play on the running game that didn't happen, and... They,
0: they, they made a completion for 15 yards, and if he would have stuck with the quarterback oh, and played it intelligently in the least, like, he, the... the Play would have been a broken play, and
2: it's like you've been in the league for a few years. You shouldn't be doing this. Play your assignment, like I, I, if his assignment was crash
0: running back, I and mean, then I guess it's a bad defensive play call. Like, but I feel like he did not keep gap integrity there, and it really cost us. Uh, yep. All right, that's that's my cassius Marsh minute. Uh, I love you, cassius You're the best. Um, so, like, I wanted to make the team just because I like the dude. Like, yeah, I, I think agreed, it's a, a cool guy, and he and he is talented. Like I said, he's going to land on an NFL roster. It's not like he's going to lose it. Yeah, he's way too good. All right, let's go with our Seahawks records. I have him at 12-4, and four, second in the NFC, tied with the Packers. That, I think that first game of the season is going to determine who's the one seed and who's the two seed, to be honest with you. Uh, we go to Green Bay, and I think both those teams are going to end up with
1: the same record. So there you go. That get, That first game could really matter. I feel like <clears throat> that's a good point, only because the talent in the NFC is so up and down. There's a lot of talent. It's not bad teams, but there's – if you're going to look at, like, in the AFC, who's going to be the number one seed? It's easy to call the Patriots. We should be that number one seed, but, man, the Green Bay Packers have such an easy schedule. Um, there's 11 teams in the NFC I think are, like,
0: pretty good. Like Exactly, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, 11 out of 16. Like, there's only, like, five teams. and Maybe even the 12th team, too. Like, I don't The Lions aren't that bad. Yeah, but That's it's the not, team like, I have 12 a lot of now.
1: excellence. It's just a lot of, ooh, pretty good. Uh, I, because of the injured offensive line, and I don't really know what to expect... And I don't know why we were so high on fans. I have this team at 12-4, and 4, second seed.
2: Every team in the NFC West did improving 11-5. 11-5, yeah, okay. All right. So over 10-5-1. Getting they, rid of that. They time.
0: all improved by like half a game. Right there, <laughs> that's it's
2: just the way it worked out. Right. I thought it was funny. So
0: um, that's our that's our NFC West preview. Uh, I'm going to go real quickly into plugs because uh, so, we're way over time, which makes sense because this is the episode where we talked about our division rivals. Uh, right now you can support us by signing up on patreon patreon.com slash seahawks nest uh, there's different donation levels starting in the regular season you'll also gain access to a bonus podcast with all of our nfl picks and jokes where we, where we pick every game and make uh, you know we just kind of riff on each game for about a minute the takes uh, will be hot the, the takes will be hot don't that 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 is the that is a hot takes podcast in the finest but it's really fun to record for us so we hope you guys enjoy it uh also, you can uh, support us by reviewing us on iTunes, reviewing us on Stitcher, reviewing us on TuneIn, reviewing us on whatever you get your podcasts on. The more reviews we get, the more visibility we get, and it really helps. Also, I know this is weird, but like, go on your Twitter and link to our SoundCloud page and say, hey, this is Seahawks podcast I like. That stuff will help us our, with our Google ranking. So, uh, which we are almost on the first page if you just Google the word Seahawks podcast, which is my dream, is that when you just Google <laughs> Seahawks podcast, we're on the first page. Simple pleasures of Right life. now, if you Google Seahawks Nest podcast, we're the first result, But or Seahawks Nest, we're on the first page, but it, I want it to be just Seahawks are podcast. Are we still behind that bar? Uh, no. I don't think that bar exists anymore.
1: Uh, so That's what they get?
2: Uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> That prohibition will get
2: yeah. you, but the social
0: media field, campaign field, swamped them. Field goals, field goals still, uh, still dissing us. Don't know why. All right, uh, bunch of haters, cup of haters. <laughs> oh, I, I, rest in peace, Enzo Mori. All right, yeah, haters. so, uh, that's uh, that's all I have for plug, plug plugs there, Kevin. Did I miss anything? No, I think we're good. All tweet right. us, won't you? Tweet us, tweet won't us, you? won't you? All right, I got to pick a movie that we'll do fast, so I am definitely changing gears on Movie Club here. I thought we were I thought three we were Ninjas movie club. Strike to, Back, to because, because <laughs> <laughs> just pick a movie I know we all hate. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, that would go so long. <laughs> okay, so you have so, met us. <laughs> so the thing is, is that I got to pick a movie that we can cover both quickly and succinctly,
1: but still, uh, still is a pretty sweet. Pick one. a movie someone in this room hasn't seen. That'll do it. Oh, pick a movie someone hasn't yeah. seen? Because if we've all seen it, we all love it. It's going to be a 15-minute thing. Nah,
0: screw it. Let's do From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, ah. So <laughs> the, <laughs> I ended up picking a movie I really like. <laughs> I went against all of the things I think. From Dust Till Dawn is a uh, is a classic. It's been mentioned on the podcast before. Um, I'm fairly certain we haven't done it. Am I correct in this, yeah. Kevin? as far as I know, yeah. Okay, I'm put, I, I keep a spreadsheet of this, and I'm, if I forget to update it and we do a movie twice, sorry in advance. Uh, so... From Nestle Dawn was written by Quint- written by Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. directed by Robert Rodriguez, good pals. Uh, Harvey Ke- Harvey Keitel, is always the, a good is cast. The star. Uh, we got Clooney and uh, Tarantino. Salma starring in this movie. Salma Hayek is starring in it.
2: Um, Salma Hayek's feet get a
0: special role. Yeah, let's we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about this first. The, uh, the the fact is, that this movie is like a uh, they go to a biker bar and, it, in, and it, in the in rural Mexico a biker bar with uh with old pussy <laughs> yep. played by played by Cheech Marin Cheech Marin is talking about all of the different kind of uh vagina you can see in this in this uh, establishment very funny uh very <laughs> funny scene one of my all-time favorite like just uh, riffs in a movie the so the um it's it's really it's really a it's a good it's a good movie uh i can okay Kevin how would you describe the plot of this movie um like it just goes crazy
2: thanks, at one thanks point. Thanks for dumping that on me. Uh, like I can do
1: it if you'd like. There, right, go ahead. All right. So IMDb let's...
2: calls it two criminals and their hostages unknowingly oh, seek no. temporary refuge in an that establishment works. populated by vampires with chaotic results. If, if you didn't,
0: that? chaotic results is right, man. This movie, the, the, the <laughs> shit hits the fan. I'll say if
2: this movie goes off the rails, but it means to.
1: This movie could have been like a true film had no one. If you didn't know what it was about when you saw it, because it starts out as a. A, a not a heist film, but just a, a bank job that doesn't go wrong. But these these evil brothers that are constantly, you know, uh, robbing people. They're bad dudes. Yeah, and yeah. the Quentin Tarantino's character is like a sicko. And they're, they're seeking refuge, and they kind of kidnap this family. This,
2: this, this movie is not for kids. No, no, not at all. This this is dark, and it doesn't try not to and be. And there's a scene where
1: they get over the border, like, are they going to make it to the border? Well, I know the plot of the movie, so they must, but you don't know if they're actually going to make it. And they do, and it's pretty tense. And then they get to the Titty Twister, because that is the name of the that's bar. That's the name of the bar, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. And that's when... Uh, hold on. Actually, that's not even when. They get in there, and they're supposed to wait for their contact, and their contact's not showing up. There, there's, there's a biker named Sex Machine. Yes, uh, played yeah. by Tom Savini, yep. Yep. a legendary makeup artist. Danny Trejo's in here. A young Danny Trejo yeah, at Razor, age, like Razor, 57. Razor, Razor Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he He's a good name. I don't know if this is his first movie, but it's one of the first movies where you're like, damn, that guy looks mean. And uh, then then a little after that, as soon as Selma Hay- Hayek shows up, then it all goes to hell, literally.
0: Yeah so, yeah, so basically she comes out and then it turns out they're all vampires. But the scene where Selma Hayek comes out... One, uh, it, it, it's 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 uh, a it's very it's very she very a uh, great dance in the scene and it's a uh, it's very awesome for uh, for all the male fans and and then she does this weird thing where she puts her foot in Quentin Tarantino's mouth and pours alcohol down her leg into his mouth and knowing Quentin Tarantino has a noted foot fetish so you know that dude wrote that scene in there so that she would have to do that and which didn't, you didn't know that when the movie came out you're like wow that's creepy. so weird it and just like,
2: weirds me out man yeah. it's like dude now that you know it's kind of like Ugh.
0: him and Rob Ryan man. Um, they have a television series that goes with this now. It's pretty good. Um, uh, available yeah. on Netflix. It's it's on it's on no it's on Robert Rodriguez's like El Rey channel. Well, I'm saying you can watch it on Netflix. Oh, yeah. you can watch it also yeah. on Netflix. Cool. Uh,
1: I've only made it through the first season, but I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: So, yeah, uh, this was like one of Clooney's like earlier movie roles.
1: Too. This was like, right it, before this, he got big. Was, this was his first like film thing that he. I did. think it's right. Uh, right before Batman and Robin, which like is did, awful, it he was did,
2: when he was trying to break out from his like TV heartthrob days. He did this like was a, one of those take a big left turn. He did like a bunch of really like
0: meh movies, and then he did TV, and he was on Roseanne, he's on ER, E-R. he's on Facts of Life, you know, he's on all these TV, big TV shows. And then,
1: ER was his big was his silver yeah. pony. And
0: then he does From Dust Till Dawn, and then he's Batman. So you know, like, and, and you then could say for does, some
1: reason he became a huge star after Batman.
0: Which is weird, but I mean, he was—he's a good actor. It's not his fault that bad movie the movie. And horrible. he's very handsome. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big Clooney fan, but like, I just think this movie's really—I think this movie's really good. It's really watchable. Uh, you can come in at any point and it's entertaining. Like, there's
2: no—if you're of the mindset which you've gotten this far in this podcast, so you probably are. It's one that you can definitely like jump in and watch from whatever point.
1: I always thought the vampire effects were really silly. From, they are from day it one.
2: It really makes me think of like a, a Tales from the Crypt episode. Oh yeah, yeah. the, the, the Ooh, younger great, Kevin, yeah. the
1: younger daughter is Juliette Lewis too. I
0: forgot about that. Yeah, the her, Harvey Keitel's daughter. Harvey Keitel oh, yeah. is awesome in this movie though. Harvey like, Keitel is awesome in life. He's yeah, just he like is. he's so cool and he makes all these like really like ludicrous uh, anti vampire weapons and stuff, which are just <laughs> like they're so funny. Uh, he uses like a drill. He uses like a, a yeah. Drill. It's I very like, much like the eighteen. They're stuck in that in that like they're stuck in like this back room, and he starts like crafting all these like
1: custom. Well, it's because all the all the trucks that have you know stopped at the Titty Twister where they kill the the drivers. They've just amassed all this freight, and they make like an like eighteen vampire killers. Yep, yeah, Yeah. not not a great piece of film, a very fun movie. It is fun. If you don't like
2: vampires, not gonna like this movie. Actually, if you don't like vampires, you might like this movie. Bad things happen to vampires. So it depends on what kind of not liking <laughs> vampires you have.
1: I'm they just saying they scare you. You won't like. The movie. <laughs> nice choice, Nathan.
0: So yeah, I like at the end of the movie too. At uh like, she just, like like they. This is a huge spoiler, but you know if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it by now, it's 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 been 20 years. Uh Cheech is like they, they're like, well, what about this place you picked? What what's up with this? It's like a vampire bar. He's like, oh, I just I just like the look of it. I never actually <laughs> inside it. It's like it's like just such a great like like end of the movie, you know? It's like it's it's it makes me laugh every time. Uh, so all right, that's uh, that's from Dust till dawn, and we're the Seahawks Nest podcast for Kevin Garber and Eric Ronnbeck. I'm Nathan Santo. Follow us at Seahawks Nest on Twitter, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks! Yay!